Praise God. Let His Spirit flow to every fiber of your being this evening. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Praise God. We're so thankful for being here again tonight in the house of the Lord for the wonderful time of fellowship that Sister Sham and I have had over the last uh, few days here. And uh, to get a chance to meet you folks, we've just really appreciated that opportunity. Praise God. Praise God. I believe that uh, this being the last night, the Lord has something special for us. Praise God. The first miracle that he performed was at the marriage of Cana in Galilee and uh, turned water into wine and the master of ceremonies asked the uh, person in charge, how come you saved the best for the last? Well, I think that the Lord's got the best for the last tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so if you need something from him, he's here by his spirit and power to minister to you. Praise God. I'm happy that Sister Sham can be with me. Uh, for many years, I did a lot of traveling, either in the country where we were laboring or in other places, and she was at home with the kids. And uh, yet the last number of years, she's been able to travel with me, and uh, she's been a great blessing. Uh, I do a lot of talking in the pulpit. She does most of the ministering outside of it. And uh, so we kind of try and, and work together that way. And uh, we're just uh, thankful that she can be here tonight. I'm going to ask her to come and to greet you at this time. Praise God. Um, he's Jack Spratt, and I'm Jack Spratt's wife. <laughs> if you know the little nursery rhyme about one could eat fat and the other one couldn't, well, we sort of he and I kind of balance each other out. Um, it is an honor for us to be here and a great privilege. Um, I kind of look at the world and the people in the world as friends that I haven't met yet. And um, I certainly feel like you all have become friends these last few days. I know many of your names. And um, I'm just happy that we've had this encounter together. And I think that probably from now on, there's going to be some uh, connection in the spirit, and we'll be praying for you, and you'll be praying for us, and that's really a, a great honor and a, a privilege that we have in the family of God. I was sitting there. My husband had sort of pointed to me and said, Brother um, Butcher wants you to say something, and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to say? <clears throat> and I actually thought I'm going to give you a, a test. I thought about giving a testimony about healing in our family, and then when uh, Brother Sean just said about Jesus turning the water into wine, it was a bit of a confirmation. It's a, just a, a little tad of a, a long testimony, but just bear with me because I think you'll like the end of the story. Um, it was when we were living in, in Karachi, and our youngest baby at the time was not quite a year old. Um, Brother Sean was away, as he often was, and I was working upstairs in our house, doing some probably partner mission letters or some kind of office work. We had a young man that would come in and uh, help me clean our house in, in Pakistan. We have to clean twice a day because there's so much dust and grime. And if I did it by myself, that's all I would ever do. So we actually hired somebody to come in and do those kinds of things. And one of the things they use in Pakistan to clean, it's called phenyl. And phenyl is actually a poison that um, you wash the floors with it, and in the process, 
you put a layer on the floor that kills cockroaches and little lizards and mosquitoes and whatever else might be roaming around and it's quite potent um, and you when you're going to wash the floor you put in your gallon of water and then maybe a cup or so of, of phenyl it's very potent and um, so I was upstairs and our little boy Jordan was kind of crawling around behind the, the cleaning boy and I knew that he would be taken care of I knew <laughs> if I only knew but um, the Lord prompted me and said, you need to go downstairs. And I was busy, and um, it really came strong. You need to go downstairs. So I got up, and I went downstairs, and I didn't even make it to the, the bottom floor. Just I was in the process, and I noticed Jordan, and he was, he was just leaning against the wall by himself. He was sitting on the steps. He was about 11 months old, and he was just leaning against the wall. And I thought, that's weird. So I quickly ran down and picked him up. And as soon as I picked him up, I realized that he had ducked his head in the pail and drank some of that poison. And the, the boy that was cleaning had just gone out for a few minutes, probably to go to the bathroom and come back. And in that few minutes... Um, that's what Jordan had done, and that's why the Lord spoke to me. And he was, he was limp, his body was limp, and his eyes had rolled back in his head. And um, I knew probably that, you know, he was going to die in a few moments. Um, Brother Sean was away, and it was actually a holiday that day in Pakistan. There were no taxis running, uh, no way that I could get him to the hospital. And um, so we were just singing a few minutes ago about, I'm desperate for you. And actually, we don't really know what that means. We sing it, but we just when we sing it, we just sing the same as we sing anything else. And if you're really desperate, there's, there's something in your body language, there's something that happens if you're really desperate. And I was desperate. And I took my baby, my little boy, and I kind of stood in the, where the front door was at the bottom of the stairs. It was like a little foyer. And I, I just stood, and I held him up in the air, and I said, God, I know you're in charge of all the universe, and you've probably got a lot of things that you're taking care of right now. This is what I honestly said to God. But I need you right now to look at me in Karachi, Pakistan. God, my baby has just drank poison, and I have nothing I can do for him except give him to you. And I'm asking you right now to take the poison in his body and turn it into water like you turned water into wine in the Bible. I'm asking you right now. I was desperate. And in that second, literally that second, that little boy's body just kind of shivered. His eyes focused. He didn't retch. He didn't vomit. He didn't do anything. He just looked at me like, where, where have I just been? <laughs> What just happened to me? Just a little boy, completely healed. We never took him to a doctor. God did exactly what I asked him. If you're desperate tonight, if you came here and you have something in your life going on, something in your heart, something in your mind, something in your spirit, if you're really desperate for God to do something, catapult yourself off of that chair when it's time to run to the altar run to the altar run to god i'm a witness tonight i'm a testimony that jesus is ready to do what you need him to do when you're honest when you're sincere and when you're desperate he's going to come running to you and meet your need i am so glad i know him tonight I am so glad I know Jesus, and I am so glad that Jesus knows me. Jesus knows me, and we're great friends, and I love being in his presence, and I love being in his presence with you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. I do want to thank the Butcher family for their tremendous hospitality. We've had a great time laughing and sharing different experiences and 
we just have really enjoyed being with them. We met them briefly in Kuala Lumpur and, and uh, Sri Lanka. That sort of seems like the only time you meet people is when you're traveling to international conferences. But uh, to be with them has been a real joy. We want to thank each of you that have been so warm and kind to us here. We've really appreciated your hospitality, making us feel at home. Praise God. I'm going to ask you, if you would, again, one more time to stand. I know you've been up and down several times, but uh, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the Word of God one more time. And uh, we're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. Joshua, chapter 14. And I'd like to read verses 10, 11, and 12, and then also verse 14. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 14, and uh, beginning at verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this unto uh, this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness and now lo I am this day fourscore and five years old and as I am strong this day I was in the day that Moses sent me as my strength was then even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in now therefore give me this mountain Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Then in verse 14, Hebron there, therefore uh, became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Chapter 15 and verse 14. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahim and Talmai, the children of Anak. Lord Jesus, we do thank you again tonight for your presence. We thank you for the way that you've met with us in this conference. And now on this last night, we're asking that you would minister once again by your mighty power. You know the needs of every person here. You know, Lord... Uh, uh, what we are desiring, and I'm asking that we would reach out in faith to you. Put something in our heart to, to reach even higher than what we have gone. And we ask these things now in that name which is above every name. In the name of Jesus we pray, and we give you glory. Hallelujah. Let's worship him one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, we lift you up, Jesus. We exalt and glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated. It doesn't matter where we are in life, how much we may have accomplished, how much we may have seen happen. It seems with, in everyone's heart there is a desire to move higher. We are not really satisfied with where we are. Uh, I've had a very blessed life. I was born into a Christian family. My parents were missionaries in India. That's where I was born. Uh, just growing up, the blessing of the Lord was in our home. We saw many, many miracles happen. And uh, the Lord moved mightily in our, in our churches. I, I went to Canada to study in, in Bible college, met Sister Sham there. We got married. And the Lord blessed in the church we pastored in Toronto for seven and a half years. We saw uh, wonderful growth there and saw people growing in the Lord. We uh, <clears throat> traveled to the nation of Pakistan, lived there for 30 years, 
uh, as missionaries and in the middle of terrorism and all the other things going on, God blessed us with massive revival. We saw more than 3,000 new congregations open in the time that we were there. And many, many people brought into the kingdom of God. Thousands of miracles take place. We've had a chance to travel all around the world just in the last four and a half years since we left Pakistan. We've visited close to 20 nations, uh, some of them multiple times. Uh, we've seen a lot of wonderful things happen. But in spite of all of that, there is stump still something in my heart that says, God has more for me. And I want to reach for that. I am not satisfied seeing what I have seen or doing what I've done. But there is still something in my heart that is reaching for more in God. And I believe that that's true with almost everybody. They may not recognize it in those terms. But there is something, a restlessness perhaps, that is causing them to desire something more. The Apostle Paul, a man of great experience, one who opened the church uh, to the Gentile world, made this statement. He said, I'm leaving those things which are behind and I'm pressing forward to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is still something more that I can do. There are still heights that I can reach. There are still things that God has for me if I will continue to press ahead. And I think if I could talk to almost any one of you here individually tonight, you would also say there is something in my heart that says, I'm not satisfied where I am now. I'm not willing just to stay here, but I want to move higher. I want to go to a, a greater plateau. There is a new paradigm that I can reach if I will continue on and press forward. Praise God. We've read about Caleb here tonight. I think most of us are probably familiar with the story of Caleb. Uh, he was one of 12 spies that had been sent by Moses into the land of Canaan to spy out the land. Israel had been slaves for more than 400 years, but God had promised he would bring them back to the land that they had left many years ago. And uh, so they, under Moses, had wandered through the wilderness and had come to the point where they were getting ready to enter the promised land. But just before they did, Moses sent these 12 spies. They were not common men. They were leaders in their tribes. And so they were men of wisdom, men of understanding. And they went into the promised land, and they saw there that the land was flowing with milk and honey. It tells us in one place that they actually cut grapes that two men had to carry the, uh, on a pole. The, the weight was so heavy. And it was an amazing land. They'd been living in the desert for uh, a long time. But uh, when they came back, although they knew it was a land of, uh, that was flowing with milk and honey, ten of these spies could only see the problems. God had told them to go forth and to take the land, and he said, I'll be with you. But uh, even though he had opened the Red Sea so that they could cross on dry land, even though he had fed them manna and quail in the wilderness, even though he had given them water from a rock, somehow the problem of the moment overwhelmed them, and they become fearful again. And so uh, the ten spies said, Yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but they have giants there. And we're scared. We think probably it's better if we stay out here in the wilderness. But there were two men, Joshua and Caleb, who said, let's remember the promise of God. He said he would go with us. And let's go and take the land. But I guess the people decided democracy was the best uh, way. And so ten against two were staying in the wilderness. And for the next 40 years, that's where they wandered. Uh, just uh, out in the desert and in the sand. And while they wandered for those 40 years, everyone who had been 20 years and above died in the wilderness. Because the Lord said, only those who have believed me are going to go into the promised land. And so finally, 
uh, after 40 years under the leadership of Joshua, Israel made their journey into that promised land. And it appears like they had been there approximately five years at the telling of this story. Because Caleb said, I was 40 when we went in, and now I'm 45, and we, or 85, and I know that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So they had been there about five years in the promised land. And Caleb came to Joshua, and he said, Joshua, you know that Moses promised me because I had kept uh, the promises of God and I had been faithful, that when I came to the promised land, I was going to get an inheritance. And so now I'm coming and asking you for my inheritance. He said, uh, I feel pretty good for my age. Uh, not too bad. And uh, Joshua kind of looked at him and said, Well, Caleb, you're 85. You are near retirement age. So maybe you'd like to take a nice little valley over here with a quiet brook and you can sit and fish the rest of your life and just have a nice, comfortable, pleasant time. And uh, I think he was probably ribbing Joshua. Now, I'm, I know this isn't in the Bible, but I have a good imagination. So you bear with me. But uh, I can see uh, uh, Joshua doing this, kind of egging uh, Caleb on. And the fire comes in Caleb's eyes and he says, I tell you what. I may be 85, but you can leave the valleys for the young guys. He said, give me this mountain. He said, uh, I want a mountain where there are walled cities on the top and where there are giants living on the inside. Don't give me something easy. He said, I'm still feeling like I'm ready to go to battle. Praise God. God has promised us something, and that is what I want. Praise God. Now, to climb a mountain is quite a thing. Uh, last October, we were in, in uh, uh, J Japan, Fukuoka, Japan, and, and we have a missionary family that had just moved there, and they asked us to come and, and to pray and do some prayer walks and that kind of thing, and so we had gone there. And uh, he told me that there's a mountain that uh, rises above the city and from from that mountain you can see the whole city of Fukuoka there's about two million people that live there and so uh, he said let's go and climb that mountain and when we get to the top we'll pray well he's about uh, 20 25 years younger than I am and so uh, we started climbing that mountain and uh, I had to kept keep looking back you still coming brother yeah I said I'm here I'm still coming uh, and so we uh, kept climbing, and finally we reached the top, and uh, we were able to see that city, and we began to pray for it. And uh, I thank the Lord that since then some wonderful things have happened. The Lord has begun to build a church in that city. But what I'm trying to say here tonight is it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. If the Lord's given you a calling or a challenge, and I believe everybody who's a, who is a believer, everyone who has received the Spirit of God in them, God has put a desire in them. They may not have shared it with anyone else, but there is a knowledge that God has put something in their heart that they can achieve. There is a certain place in Him that they can reach for, and He's going to help them to get there. Praise God. But you have to begin climbing. You have to go and take the challenge. And so Caleb said, give me this mountain. Now, first of all, he had to climb the mountain. To get to his inheritance, it wasn't just an easy stroll through the park. He had to climb the mountain. And when he got to the top of the mountain, there were walled cities. So he either had to get, break through the wall or to climb over it or knock down the gates, whatever it was, and the enemy would be on the wall shooting arrows down at him. So he has to climb the mountain, then he has to get through the wall, and when he gets through the wall, he's met not by ordinary men, but by giants. Everything that his uh, colleagues had been afraid of 40 years before, he said, that's what I want to overcome. Because these last 45 years, something has been burning in my heart. I know I have a God that's going to help me get to the top and to conquer. I want to prove them even though they're dead. I want to prove that they were wrong. That my God can do it. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. 
And so it tells us in chapter 15 and verse 14, And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahim and Talmai, the children of Anak. He climbed the mountain. He went through the wall. And he killed the giants. <laughs> what are the giants that are in your life that have been, been hindering you? What is it that's been stopping you from reaching the promises that God has given to you? I say to you tonight that the Lord has something for you. If you're willing to start climbing, if He's given you a promise, and it's something that you've been holding in your heart, if you'll begin climbing and relying upon Him, if you'll believe His Word, if you'll believe His promise, you can climb the mountain and take the city. You can slay the giants. Hallelujah. He will give you the victory. Praise God. Praise God. In Psalm 121, uh, the first two verses, sometimes people think all the Psalms were, were written by David. That's not the case. Many of them were. But uh, this was a song, actually, that was sung by pilgrims as they ascended the mountain towards Jerusalem to go and worship uh, the Lord. And uh, they would travel together in large groups because it was not safe to travel uh, in pairs and, and in small groups because of the robbers that would attack. And so they would travel in large groups and as they climbed the mountain to help them climb. And I, I know this. I was born and raised in, in South India, approximately 2,000, well, it was over 2,000 meters high. And... Uh, uh, many times in the school that I attended, we would go on hikes into the mountain. And as we would go, we would either start some kind of a chant or we would start singing a, a particular song. It seemed to help you climb a little better. And this was a song of degrees. And they would sing this as they were climbing the mountain towards Jerusalem. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Where did their help come from? It says in verse 2, My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Praise God. And so they would uh, chant or sing this as they climbed the mountain, continuously looking upward. That's where my help is. That's where my strength is. I'm not going to find it down here, but I've got to keep climbing. I've got to keep, keep rising above the situations and the circumstances of my life. I've got to keep moving up to the promises of God. I've got to keep believing Him that He's going to help me reach the top. Hallelujah. 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 In Psalm 55, verse 4 of uh, Psalm 55, this one was a psalm of David. And he said, My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. He was at a time of great danger in his life, and we know how he faced many circumstances, situations, how King Saul uh, her, uh, heartlessly uh, <clears throat> uh, pursued after him continuously. He said in verse 5, Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. David, even in the midst of the uh, terror that he felt, even in the midst of being pursued, there was something in him that said, I wish I could get higher. I wish I could open wings and just begin to soar into the heavens. I don't believe this is my end, but I have a higher calling. Oh, that I had wings like a dove so that I could fly away and be at rest. That's the desire of many believers. The, the desire to reach beyond where they are now. Uh, a desire to climb higher than they've ever climbed before. And uh, the only way that you can conquer a situation is to begin climbing the mountain. You can't just sit 
and feel sorry for yourself, but you've got to start climbing. You've got to say there is a way to get to the top, and I'm going to find it. Praise God. I'm going to keep pursuing after that which God has placed in my heart. I'm going to keep seeking Him. I'm going to keep climbing until I reach that goal. Praise the Lord. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us in chapter 13, and reading in the 14th verse, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Uh, this is literally, Sister Shams, in my life, I guess, nowadays. We're traveling almost continuously. But I think it also gives a, a picture of the believer. Even though you may have lived in Perth all your life, I don't know. Uh, but supposing that you have, still you are a pilgrim in this world. You are traveling through this world. This is not your final destination. This is not the end of the road for you. Hallelujah. But you're looking for a city. You're looking for a place that uh, is beyond where you've ever been before. Not a continuing city, but we're seeking one that is to come. Hallelujah. We're looking for that city that God has promised us. We're looking for that place that He has said we can reach. He's saying, I want you to continue on. You have to push through the difficulties. You have to keep pressing ahead, but you can make it because I am with you and I'll help you to get to the top of the mountain. Praise God. In the 11th chapter of, of uh, Hebrews, uh, we call this the Hall of Faith. In, uh, I, I, I suppose you probably have the same thing here, but in American Canada we have what they call the Hall of Fame. And uh, uh, we have several sports there like baseball and American football, ice hockey, basketball. They all have their own special Hall of Fame. And when certain individuals have, have uh, displayed exceptional ability and, and maybe have many different records, when they retire, they can be voted by a special committee into the Hall of Fame. And there's a brass plaque uh, play, uh, placed there with their uh, uh, likeness. And uh, underneath there are some descriptions of their, uh, their playing career. Well, this was actually the Hall of Faith. Men and women who had done things for the Lord. And we would think, well, these would be men that, that, that uh, had done great miracles. This would be women that had seen uh, the Lord do special things. But many times it was men and women who were just faithful. They were going through the process of life. They, were, they had heard about a city that God had for them. And so they were just pushing through. They weren't name people. They were just common, ordinary folks. Some of them were martyred, uh, sawn asunder, stoned to death, uh, uh, all kinds of things that happened to them. And it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. God had given them some promises, but they hadn't received them in this life. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, and embrace them. God said, He's got some promises for us. And we're going to embrace those promises. We believe that they're going to actually happen. And so they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They're looking for another place. This world is not our home. Praise God. We're looking for another place that the Lord has prepared for us. One of these days, every one of us is going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. But uh, it's what happens afterwards that's important. And I believe God has given the believer great and precious promises. Hallelujah. And so we can reach for those. We can look for that country. He said in verse 15, And truly... If they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Just like Lot's wife, she was taken out of the city of Sodom 
a city that was about to be destroyed, but she wanted to turn back for one last look at the shopping centers she had gone to, at the houses of her friends, at the places that were familiar to her. And when she did turn back, she became a pillar of salt. And she died even though she had been taken out of the city that was going to be destroyed. But these people did not turn back. They had opportunity to. Things got rough for them. Things uh, arose in their life and their, their situation that didn't seem very good. But they kept pressing on because of the promise. They saw that there was something ahead for them and they could make it. And so they continued to press ahead. And he said in verse 16, but now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Praise God. I think Abraham was a beautiful example of this. Abraham was a very wealthy man. He was born in Ur of the Chaldees. And uh, his family obviously had a lot of wealth because they had camel or uh, cattle and, and sheep and herds and so on. And so uh, the Lord, a strange God, came to him because he was a heathen at the time. And uh, this strange God came to him and said, Abram, I'm calling you to a, another land, a place that you've never seen before. And there were, the experience evidently was so great that Abram just packed up and began to travel. He left all of those things that were familiar behind him. And he started a journey looking for this place that God had promised him. And it says in, in chapter 12 of Genesis and verse 1, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. He said, I've got a promise for you, Abram, if you'll leave. If you leave this place, I've got some great things for you. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to become a blessing to many others. But you've got to start moving. You've got to begin climbing on this journey. Chapter 13, it tells us the story of how Lot, Abram's nephew, had joined him uh, when they left. Sometimes we carry people along with us that don't really help us a lot. And uh, that was the case with Lot. He seemed to always be lagging behind. And uh, as they traveled, their flocks, their herds continued to grow. They became wealthier. And finally to the point where Lot's and Abram's uh, servants were fighting amongst each other because uh, there wasn't enough room for them all to graze in the same place, all the flocks and herds. And so uh, Abram finally called Lot to him and he said, Listen, Lot, we're going to have to separate. We can't travel together any longer. And uh, he said, We're down in this valley here right now. There are a couple of cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, nearby. But he said, uh, I'm, uh, there's, a, there's also the mountain here just to the side. And so one of us is going to have to climb the mountain and the other is going to stay down in the valley. Now, I have lived in Asia um, approximately 53 years. And so I know a little bit about the culture. Age is considered a very important thing in Asian culture. You show respect uh, to elders. And uh, so Abram, first of all, was given the promise, not Lot. So by that means alone, he should have had first shot at it. But secondly, because he was the elder, he should have had first choice. But Abram said to Lot, I'm going to let you choose. You can make the decision who's going to be in the valley and who's going to be in the mountains. And again, I'm using my imagination here, but uh, I can see Lot thinking, you know, my wife really likes those shopping malls in the city. And plus, uh, I don't really enjoy climbing around mountains that much. And so he said, Uncle Abe, he said, uh, you're, you're just an amazing man. Just, you, you astound me. At your age, you're able to, to do things that most men half your age couldn't do. If you don't mind, uh, my wife's health is not so good, and, 
And so we're going to just stay down here in the valley. And you, you, you can go. I know you're able to do it a whole lot better than we are, to climb those mountains. And without saying a word, Abram turned and began to climb the mountain. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him. You see, a lot of times you can't see your promise until you separate yourself from some people that are hindering you and pulling you down. He said, after Lot was separated from him, he said, lift up now your eyes and look upon the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. I told you a few moments ago that I was born in the mountains in South India. I'm not sure the exact meters, but it was 7,500 feet. So if you know anything about that, that's, uh, it's, it's fairly high. Uh, the, whole, the hospital where I was born, there was a huge window that looked out towards the plains. And on a clear day from that hospital room, you can see the city of Madurai, which is 120 kilometers away. And uh, the view is amazing. It's beautiful. And recently, Sister Shaw and I were able to go back there. We hadn't been there for many years, but we had a chance to go back for their general conference in India. It was held in that city. And I decided to go back to the hospital where I was born and take another look through that, that uh, window. And while we were there, they brought out the, the ledger or uh, whatever you want to call it, the register of births. And they opened, went, I, I gave them my age and told them when I was born, and they went back, and sure enough, I was born. <laughs> it's there, it's written. <laughs> this is not an apparition you're looking at. And, uh, uh, but I, I started to think, you know, maybe allegorically, because there's always been something in my heart that said, don't be satisfied where you are, keep climbing. And maybe it's, it was even as a baby looking out across. You can't see that well as a baby, I guess. But something about that view. Maybe my mom put it into me. But uh, uh, looking out that window again, I'm, I was reminded, Lord, I'm going to keep climbing. You've given me some promises, and I believe I can see it. You see, from the top of the mountain, you can look for miles in every direction. But when you're down in the valley, all you can see are mountains all around. And that's why some people struggle their whole lives because they've chosen to stay in the valley. God's given them promises that they can see if they got to the top of the mountain, but they're just willing to stay down in the valley. And all they can see are mountains and problems and difficulties and obstacles. But oh, tonight I think somebody's heart is saying, maybe it's time for me to start climbing again. Maybe I need to, be, uh, to begin a launch again. God's given me some promises and I can receive them if I'll seek after Him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He said, For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Praise God. Praise God. You can view the promise a whole lot easier from the mountaintop than you can from the valley. Praise God. Many years ago, I read a synopsis of a, a book. I actually haven't read the book itself. It was written by a well-known author, H.G. Wells. It's called The Blind Kingdom. And uh, according to the summary of the, of the book, there was a, it was a novel actually, but uh, the story was, was very interesting to me. But it, tell, it tells of a, a group of mountain climbers that went up into the Andes in South America. And uh, they were climbing to a certain peak, and while they were up there, an avalanche broke loose. And they, uh, it came cas uh, cascading down the mountainside, and uh, everyone in the party was killed except for one man. He was out in the middle of the mountains. He didn't know where he was now because the snow had swept him down as well. And so he just started climbing around in the mountains and wandered for many days. And then finally, he saw that there was a valley. And in that valley, a very strange-looking village. The village had homes that were set as much as possible in straight lines. Now, I've lived in mountains, and most homes just follow the contour of the mountain. 
But this one had been set because it was in a valley. I guess there was a little more uh, uh, leverage to, to build in straight lines. And so they had done this. And when he got down there, he found out why. It was because everybody there was blind. Evidently, there was some kind of food in their diet that had caused this. And, and they could not see. And they had built these homes in rows so they could easily maneuver to get from one place to the next. And so he had not been in civilization for a long time, and so he decided to stay there for a time. And after some time, he fell in love with a young lady from that village. And he decided that he would like to marry her, and so he met with the elders of the village and asked their permission. And they said, well, we'll discuss it. And so they talked among themselves. And finally, they came back to him and they said, yes, we will allow you to marry her, but there's one condition. That condition is that you'll have to have your eyes put out and you'll become blind like us. We don't want you to be superior and different. We want you to be just like us. And he thought about it for several moments and thought, you know, maybe I'll never be able to get out of here anyway. Maybe that's the way that I should go. And so he said, okay, I'll do it, but please give me one more day to see a sunset, or sunrise rather. And so they agreed and they said, tomorrow at a certain time we will perform this operation, but we're going we're gonna to let you see one more sunrise. And early the next morning, as the sun began to rise in the skies, and it had to climb quite high to get up above the mountain peaks, but when it finally started to crest the top of the mountain, there was something that rose up in his heart and he determined that he was not going to stay there, but he said, I'm going to climb. And he started to climb and climb and climb until eventually he was able to reach a regular civilization again. I think tonight we're in a similar situation. We're in a world that's trying to cause us to fit its form. It's trying to make us blind. Satan is, God, is the God of this world and he has blinded the eyes of those who are not saved. They don't understand where they are. And they're wanting us to be like them. They're wanting us to live in the, in, under their circumstances. And maybe we've kind of made a compromise here and there. But tonight the Lord is saying, why don't you start to climb again? You can see the sun. You can see the opportunity. You can see the hope. Hallelujah. And so when God bids you to escape from the valley of the blind, begin to climb. When your heart responds for longing for higher things, begin to climb. Praise God. When the free spirit revolts against a mad society in this crazy world, then break away and begin to climb. Praise God. Praise God, because God's given you a promise. You know what it is. It's in your heart tonight. Don't be satisfied living in the valley of the blind. But begin to climb. Begin to seek after Him. Call upon His name. Psalm 124 and verse 7 says, Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. God has put within the human heart a desire to soar into the heavens. Praise God. He's given us a desire to rise above our present condition. I have read that the, there have been times when eagles have been captured and put in a cage. And because the nature of the eagle is to soar in the heavens... They will beat against that cage for a number of days. But as the days pass, they do it less and less until finally they don't fight anymore. And I've read where at times they will even let the eagle out of the cage and he will no longer fly because he still thinks he's in that cage. Satan has built a cage to conquer people's spirits. God wants to set our spirits free. 
He wants us to be able to climb and to soar in the heavens. But Satan wants to bind us with the things of this world, whether it's alcohol or drugs, whether it's the kind of situation or people that we want to associate with. There are a lot of things that hold people down. It might be hatred. It might be bitterness. It might be some other thing that is holding you captive. But God put a spirit in you that wants to soar. Maybe you beat your wings against the cage for a while and you think, well, I can't do it. But today the cage is open. Jesus went to the cross for your sin and His precious blood will allow you to rise and to begin soaring in the heavens. Hallelujah. I challenge you to begin moving your wings. Start to fly like an eagle. Don't dig in the ground like a chicken. A chicken is a bird too, but it can't soar. But an eagle has the spirit of one that wants to fly into the heavens. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. God's given us a free spirit. With His spirit, we talked about or sang about uh, being in His presence. And that's what he wants us to do, is to live in his presence, to soar in the heavenlies. Don't get caught with the stuff of this world, the garbage of this world. But look heavenward and say, Lord, I'm going to start climbing. Praise God. Would you stand with me this evening? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I've only been here a few days, so I obviously don't know your background as an individual. But I know enough of the human condition. I've traveled to enough uh, countries and places around the world. Our cultures may be a little different, our languages and the food that we eat, but the basic needs and feelings that we have are the same. And uh, I have found everywhere that I've gone, there are people that are wanting to reach higher for things that are in God. Praise God. And I sense that feeling here tonight. You've responded as I've ministered the Word of God, and that's because you understand what I'm talking about. Praise God. That tells me that you understand it, that you know there is a higher place. There is more that you can attain. We're not going to level off and just try and coast to heaven. But we're going to keep climbing and doing things that God has promised that we can do. Praise God. We're going to keep pressing towards that mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We can reach it. Let's take a Caleb spirit. Let's say, give me this mountain. Let's climb the mountain like Abram did. Praise God. Let's say we're leaving the valley of the blind behind and we're climbing and we're going to reach the top. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. As the musicians play, if you'd like to come and recommit yourself and say, Lord, I'm going to climb. I'm going to start climbing again tonight. I got a little bit discouraged. I had some things in my life that were dragging me down. But I realize again that you did give me that promise and I'm going to start climbing. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise God. I invite you to come if you would like to seek the Lord at this time. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.